We have with us Brent Hunter, the author of The Rainbow Bridge, Bridge to Inner Peace and to World Peace. Uh, I've heard about Rainbow Bridge uh, for years and years and years, and I've always thought, what exactly is it? What do people mean by Rainbow Bridge? Well, Brent says defining the Rainbow Bridge is like defining love. Each person has their own unique perspective. The Rainbow Bridge is multifaceted and means different things to different people. As one becomes more knowledgeable about the Rainbow Bridge, it will take on new and expandable meanings, interpretations, and applications. Taz, are you there? Yes, I'm here. You're listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. Oh. And I'm Taz. And um, Brent Hunter says that universal principles can make a difference in how we consciously co-create our future together. In attempting to create his own way of understanding the world, Brent integrated spiritual knowledge from his background and life experiences which includes the core heart wisdom of all faiths. Uh, we're talking about Hinduism, Taoism, Christianity, Buddhism, etc. And during his studies, he discovered that the great perennial wisdom of all the various religious perspectives were never available in integrated form. So he then recognized that one of his key life purposes was to illuminate the common ground in the world's common religions, revealing universal principles that apply to everyone. This was how the Rainbow Bridge Universal Book of Living, Dying, and Dreaming was born. Um, This book has been translated into 23 other languages. Wow. So everyone out there that's listening, prepare your mind, your heart, as it is our destiny to live in peace, harmony, internally and externally. Brent, are you with us? Yes, I am. Oh, well, it's we're really looking forward to our conversation with you today. Thank you very much, and so am I. It's good to be here, Taz and Paula. Well, in, in all of your background and, and studying, did you find a common thread between all religions? Uh, yes, I did, and that's what the book is all about, Uh Uh, The Rainbow Bridge illuminates the common ground in the world's major wisdom traditions, and um, it does so by identifying 60 universal principles that are found in all of these different traditions. So what led you to write, well, Taz mentioned that you thought that was your life purpose to to bring this to light. Is that what led you to uh, actually write the book? Well, actually, what what led me to write the book was um, I was going through an an experience uh, of running a business, a fairly major multi-million dollar type of operation, Internet operation from 1994 until 2001. Um, And along the way, we ran into numerous challenges and difficulties. It was actually very, very challenging and difficult. Um, And during that period of time, I drew upon... Uh, all of my um, background and wisdom and, and knowledge about the, the world t- traditions and, and did a lot of reading and soul-searching in that time. And, and uh, I, I basically put together a lot of notes. Um, and I thought uh, I'm going to – it was basically just a notepad 
uh, a journal of, of things that I knew were really important in helping me get through that part of the journey. And uh, uh, we actually had to close down that business in 2001 amidst the whole dot-com craziness that was going on. Um, and I was sitting in meditation one day with my notepad. I was looking at it all, and I thought, wow, this is really, all of this information is really very profound and very important. And then I, I realized um, that what this represented was really the common ground that's, that's found in all the, the world's major wisdom traditions. And so it, it just hit me like, wow, this is really profound, really important. And um, as you mentioned, you know, that was really an awakening uh, and a realization that I had that one of my major purposes was to illuminate this common ground and to share it with the world. So, um, well, I was going to say, would you recommend? Your, well, of course, you probably would, but recommend your book for people to use like a handbook. Um, yes. Uh, f- first of all, the, the way the book is written, um, it, it's it's not really like a recipe for um, you know giving people all the answers they need to solve all the problems they have. However. I do believe that um, that if one reads the book um, and studies it and looks at it and ponders and meditates about it, um, really it does contain all of the all of the knowledge that that we could ever really need, uh, including in all of the world's major traditions. And so, from that perspective, I think that uh, I feel very strongly that it's a it's a very powerful tool that people can use to. Um, to get through any kind of challenge in their life and to find inner peace and joy um, uh, amidst any kind of challenges that are that are taking place. And so uh, I've actually received a lot of feedback from people over the years. The, the first edition, by the way, was written in 2001, and uh, then the second edition came out in 2003, and then the 10-year anniversary edition came out last year. And over those uh, years... Uh, more than a decade at this point, um, a lot of people told me that they had it on their bedstand, you know, on their nightstand, and they would pull the book out before they went to bed, and they would just flip it open to a page and just see what what message was there for them. Uh, They would either do that at night or they would sometimes do that in the morning, and they said it was very powerful a way of uh, either, you know, retiring for the evening and giving themselves something to think about and ponder or, you know, as a way of starting out their day. So, yes, I do think that the book can be very powerful, very useful um, as a, a kind of a handbook um, and a resource for people going through any kind of challenge, either as individuals, individual challenges in their lives, uh, lives or in uh, any kind of challenge that's going on around them in the world. So I think it's a really important resource for people to help uh, find their own inner peace or uh, the bridge to inner peace. Uh, as well as to help humanity find um, world peace, and so in that regard, it's a it's a bridge to world peace as well. Well, it's certainly Grant, evolved. Yeah, yes. It, 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 sorry, go ahead. I I I was questioning when you first began writing this book. Mm-hmm. What was the what was the initial imprint that you had to really begin this? I mean, was it something that just kind of popped into your head, or, or was it, you know, what what really stimulated you 
I know that you wanted to help people make a difference, but was there something else behind this? I mean, did you that brought it forward all the way? Well, that's a great question, and let me. Yeah, that's a great question. Let me just give you a little bit of more of some background context. Um, I come from a multi-religious and multi-spiritual family. Uh, my mother was born and raised in Turkey and was 100% Muslim. Uh, I'm half Muslim. My father is uh, Jewish and Christian, and we were, ro- we were raised um, during childhood as Christians. My father was also heavily involved in transcendental meditation and Buddhism and uh, different uh, spiritual explorations, and so I was exposed to many different traditions at a very early age, and um, was uh, it was frankly it was very confusing at first. Like, what does all this mean? All these different religions, and uh, so over, over the course of my lifetime, really the the whole concept of religion and spirituality has been something I've been deeply pondering and meditating about, and um, and so as I mentioned during the business experience that I referred to before with all the different challenges it was it was something that I had to deep you know reach even deeper into my heart and soul to find out how would I get through these challenges and so really first and foremost it wasn't even really I wasn't even thinking I was writing a book it was just notes to myself to to get through that period of time and then uh, after I closed down the business as I said I was in meditation one day and realized that it was a it was a body of knowledge uh, that was m- it, not only important to me in getting through those years, but also represented something much, much more uh, larger than myself, and that it was my responsibility, since I had been given all this information, um, uh, that it was my responsibility to share it with the world. And so it helped me find inner peace and strength within myself through a very, very challenging period of time. Um, and, uh, you know, the whole idea of world peace has been something that's very been very much on my mind as well. And uh, so in follow-up meditations, the whole idea that this is a multifaceted bridge, the Rainbow Bridge is a multifaceted bridge that leads can lead people to inner peace and to inner strength and, and harmony and bliss and ecstasy in their own personal lives, and that it will also lead all of humanity to a peaceful world civilization. And it can do this by because the common ground has been identified. Um, if we imagine ourselves, <clears throat> if we imagine ourselves uh, walking on a bridge into our collective future. You know, all of us kind of walking across this this bridge, um, and the ground that we're walking on on this bridge, the planks that are make, making up the bridge, or the stones that are making up the bridge, or however you want to say it, that common ground is the universal principles. And so, it the Rainbow Bridge represents a way. It, it represents a vehicle uh, to help bring together huge numbers of people and organizations all around the world using these universal principles that completely transcend and and honor and include all world religions, all cultures, all races, all uh, walks of life. And so it's a very important concept not only for helping people find inner peace, but also helping the world uh, get to this place, this long-prophesied world of peace in, in this golden era. And so... Uh, those are some of the things that that led me to um, 
continue on with the project after I realized that it was a book and and um, wanted to get this book out there to the world as 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 you know as much as I possibly could. Thank you for elaborating on that. That was really great. What about your father and mother? Did they get a chance to see this book? Oh yes. Yeah. Well, um, actually, my my mother didn't. Uh, she passed away in 1999. Um, she went to the other side of the Rainbow Bridge in 1999. Um, and uh, you know, her spirit really is an important part of my life, and therefore, I also believe an important part of the book. So she's kind of in the pages of the book, as it were. Uh, even though she may not be here physically at this time. And my father uh, is uh, still alive and on this side of the Rainbow Bridge, and, and he's he's seen it. And, uh, um, yes, and that goes back to, uh, to the very first edition back in 2001. Well, I, would, I would say your timing is exquisite because um, Taz and I, by the people we interview, we can see that uh, – what is in your book is exploding all over. I mean, different groups are doing something very similar, and I, I can see. Um, I mean, things look dismal and and don't look. You know, everything's coming down to some people, but I can see that there's a great change coming, and and your book and everything. I looked at your website. Everything you're doing is. Uh, right in the middle of all of this change. Thank you. I, I believe that as well. So we congratulate you for your work. Um, Thank you. I know we're here to talk about your book, but could you tell a little bit of our audience about other things that you're doing? Because I looked at your website, and there's all kinds of things going on there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yes. Well, I'm the the Rainbow Bridge really is my number one project right now. It's 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 really kind of like um you could either say it's the umbrella project that I'm operating everything um underneath uh or actually a, I think a better way of saying it, it is really the Rainbow Bridge is the foundation project that I'm working on. And so the Rainbow Bridge created the Rainbow Bridge Foundation. And so uh, everything that I do, all the different businesses that I'm running on the side right now and different projects, um, including, of course, everything with the Rainbow Bridge, uh, is is operating kind of on top of this foundation of universal principles. And so um, and some of the other things I'm doing, I'm heavily involved in social media. Actually, the project that I told you about earlier from 1994 to 2001, that was actually the, the world's first intentionally global online community. It was called The Park, and uh, the goal of The Park was to create an online, um, a, a world community in cyberspace or a world community online. Um, and so, you know, from an early age, and especially, I mean, from an early age, I've been thinking about peace, and um, starting in 1994, I was quite heavily involved in, in the whole idea of um, using the Internet to affect social change on a global basis. Um, when I started this community, uh, these were called online communities back then. Today they're called social networks. It's really the same thing. And so, you know, one could say that the park was uh, kind of a precursor to today's modern social networks like Facebook and LinkedIn and Twitter. So, um, yeah, so anyway, I, I'm quite involved today. I'm operating in a, on about 30 different social networks, uh, primarily using um, Facebook and Twitter. 
uh, and LinkedIn for professional connections, and then there's a, a variety of other social networks as well. So, um, yeah, so social uh, networking using the power of the Internet, um, and there's a, a number of projects that are described or, or initiatives that are described in the Rainbow Bridge as well that I'm working on. Um, and so that's uh, kind of a flavor of some of the things. Uh, can people blog with you? Uh, pardon me? Can uh, Do you have a blog on your uh, website where people can um, blog? I have, a, I have a, a blog area on my website that I currently use for posting out inspiring and uplifting quotes. Um, that's primarily how I'm using social media these days. Is uh, I have about 289,000 Twitter followers at this point and uh, about 5,000 friends on, on Facebook. And uh, what I use it for is to basically... Um, send out quotations and concepts that inspire and uplift and empower uh, people wherever they may be located in the world. So I don't write blogs in the typical sense of the word. Um, blogs usually are longer kind of articles, um, although my website, of course, is set up to, to be able to post blog articles as well. Well, we just found out that you were at the GATE conference. We were there, too. Oh, you were? Oh. Yes. Small world, <laughs> so and that was a, that was a pretty pretty nice event. Yes, so um, to let people know, uh, our listeners know what Gate is all about. It's, it's about um, media and um, the film industry, and to get you know things out that are insightful. And I mean, I may not be explaining this correctly, but um, so it's what you're doing is just like um, snowballing in. All areas. Uh, yes, I think it is. I think really there's a growing recognition around the world that um, that the systems that are in operation today simply don't work for the vast uh, number of people, and we're starting to see um, our systems are slowly degrading and, and kind of falling apart. You know, the global economic system, for one, is is uh, really falling apart, and. Um, uh, a lot of uh, structures are, are, are similarly degrading, and frankly, I think this is a very exciting time to be alive. You know, we're in a period of time that's been prophesied uh, for thousands of years, um, and you know, all the different major religious traditions have talked about an ending of time and the beginning of a new period of time, and uh, a period of darkness followed by a period of great peace and prosperity and abundance. Um, and, uh, you know, we have things like the Mayan calendar and other natural calendars, but the Mayan calendar, for example, is, uh, as I'm sure you know, and many listeners now, there's a growing recognition of this, that uh, the, Mayan, the Mayan peoples um, had a, a very, very advanced calendar system and a system of tracking time. And uh, there's one of the cycles of time uh, is a 26,000-year cycle, and that particular cycle in the Mayan calendar is ending this year. And now many people, some some people are, when they hear that, they think, oh, no, it's the end of the world. Well, that's not it at all. It's it's an ending of a period of time. Just like the world doesn't end on December 31st, you know, uh, it's, it's an ending of a cycle of time. And most importantly, it's the beginning of a new cycle of time. And in the beginning of a new 26,000-year cycle of time is a very, very exciting time to be here for us to be part of the closing out of the old cycle and the opening of the new cycle. So 
I think one of the things that we're called upon at this time is to really, you know, each of us as individuals, every single one of us, to really sit back, go into our hearts, go into our uh, our minds, but mostly our hearts, and to, and to ask ourselves things like, you know, who am I? Uh, what do I stand for? What's important to me? What are my priorities? What am I doing here? What would I? What what kind of change would I like to? have in the world, what kind of legacy would I like to make for my for my family and my children and friends and, and all of humanity. And um so it's a very exciting period of time and so when you know when when we talk about um great societal changes are taking place and we see all these challenges, when you look at it from a bigger perspective, what what we see is that our old systems are failing us and new systems are in the process of being born. So a new world is in the process of being born, and we have two worlds—really, a lot more than two worlds—but but we could we could uh, simplify everything by saying we have two worlds in, in, that are that are simultaneously existing right now. Um, one is the old world of old paradigms, and then there's a new world of new paradigms based on cooperation and harmony and peace and um, collaboration and partnership and. Um, you know, I, I, I'm quite certain that uh, we're going to be moving into a very exciting period of time. And, of course, the Rainbow Bridge, one of the primary intentions is to be that bridge in time, to to create a bridge in time uh, so that we can move as smoothly as possible from one era to another era, uh, from this period of darkness to a period of great peace and prosperity. So um, those are those are some of the... Uh, some of the things that we see at the Rainbow Bridge, and, and yes, I agree. I think things are coming to a head, and there's a greater and greater recognition around the world that things aren't really quite right, and um, it's, it's a very exciting time to be here. Well, you know, I'm looking at being able to see a softer, loving way of caring for each other, and, um, I, you know, I, I love it when you have this online world community. It's you know, allowing others to be able to step back and just and to really care for one another in our transition. That's going to be so important. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and it's nice to know that that you have cool. interwoven this with all languages, with all racial aspects, with all religions. I this is so humongous. It's it's a wonderful gift you've brought to the world. Um, well, thank you. Very, thank you. Yeah, it's very exciting to see. Um, I, I, um, I, I've not come across this and uh, seeing this in any manner. I mean, you, but just you know, seeing that you've also worked on it for quite a while now, and um, you know, watching you come from from a, um, a home base where where it was really a dimensional level there with religions and everything. Religion has so many connotations all over the world and and how it's interwoven with everyone. And to be able to um, merge all of this and bring a new, uh, softer way of, of working with everyone on this on this new. Tr- on this new shift for us um is is so important <laughs> and you've stepped your foot in and brought this forward with your heart it it is so great 
Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I I, I also really feel like I'm I'm a uh, you know I'm a vessel. I'm I'm a you know this this information that I'm putting out there in the world isn't really mine. It's been gifted to me. This consciousness, this awareness, this wisdom, this information has been given to me, and it's been a blessing. And uh, I've, as I mentioned earlier, you know, I just felt like this is I have a responsibility to share this gift because it's all amazing. It's all very exciting news and it's very exciting information for, for the world that can really help bring large number of people and organizations together. Now, you, now have, you, three, have, you have three editions. Yes. Uh, uh, did it evolve in each edition? Yes, it did. Um, great question. The, the first edition actually was a very small book. It was three inches by five inches. It was the kind of book that you could hold in your hand. It was a little spiral-bound book. And uh, my primary goal at that time was to was to write the absolute smallest book possible. Um, because, you know, you can, you can read literally thousands of books on any one particular religion, right? Um, and so the whole idea was to was to distill all of the world's major wisdom traditions into one small as possible book. And so that book was um yeah, so it was very short and concise. And then when I started uh, basically giving it out to family and friends, I started getting, you know, just a lot of amazing feedback on it. And then I thought, okay, uh I need to expand this now. So in 2003, I wrote the second edition, and then that was published in uh, paperback and, and hardcover editions, and then over the years it was translated into 23 different languages, as you mentioned earlier. Um, and uh, then uh, over the past few years I was working on the next edition, which is the third edition. Also, I also just call it the 10-year anniversary edition. And um, And so as each edition went along, uh, I incorporated, I basically expanded and incorporated um, as much new information as I possibly could. And by the way, one of the really super interesting things about this was when I when I wrote the very first edition, um, I didn't know about other interpretations and other applications of the Rainbow Bridge. I've since learned um, that there are cultures all over the world that talk about the Rainbow Bridge that talk about the rainbow bridge to the other side uh the the rainbow bridge you know from the physical world to the etheric world um the rainbow bridge from from earth to heaven and it's said in in a variety of different ways uh but i didn't know that at the, at the time so as the the book has evolved i've recognized that it's one of the goals that i have is to continue to include as many different applications and interpretations of the Rainbow Bridge as possible because it's it's much more than than the work of 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 you know a, a single author that's putting out some ideas this is actually a vision of peace um that is coming from the heart of humanity and so and a lot of people have heard about the Rainbow Bridge and there's a story um about the Rainbow Bridge for pets that that many people have heard about and there's a very beautiful poem and kind of legend that's been circulating for years over the Internet, and it basically says that when you have a pet, your beloved pet or animal, when it passes away, it goes 
uh, it passes away and it goes on to the other side of the rainbow bridge, onto the other side, and you know, into heaven or however, whatever words you want to use. That goes as, uh, you know, the spirit goes to a different place, and that the guardians of those pets and animals, when they pass on, they are actually greeted by their their beloved pets and animals, and it's a really beautiful poem the way it's written which is included in, in this 10-year uh, anniversary edition of the Rainbow Bridge. And it shows how we're, we're totally connected to, to our pets and our, and our animals. And I also expanded that concept to, to um, include the notion that really it's the same for people as well. So when people pass on, they too go on to the other side of the Rainbow Bridge. And so when we pass on ourselves, you know, we, we meet up again with the people that have already passed on to the other side of that rainbow bridge. And so it's a way of recognizing the connection that exists, um, that the connection that's permanent, and it's a heart connection, and uh, it exists beyond time and space. And so that's another example of the rainbow bridge. And then and then I was, I've also been really excited to, to learn that there are bridges, physical mm-hmm. bridges, that are located all over the world, that are called the Rainbow Bridge. So, for example, here in California, I think there's four different bridges that people in those locations, they call them the Rainbow Bridge. There's and one about a mile away from me. Oh, where, where are you located? Uh, by Folsom. Okay, yes, exactly. There's one in Folsom, and so you're aware of that one. And then, of course, there's a very large one that's between Canada and the U.S. at Niagara Falls. Um, there's actually an amazing one. It's actually the world's largest natural bridge, and it's located on sacred Native American territory in Utah, and uh, it's a national monument, and it's called the Rainbow Bridge. And it's literally, it's the, it's the world's largest natural bridge. It's not made up by humans. It's a totally natural formation. And, uh, and these again, these bridges exist all over the world, and there's about 30 or so that have been identified in the, this edition of the book, uh, but I'm quite certain that over time there are probably going to be hundreds, if not thousands, of rainbow bridges uh, all over the world, especially as, as, as people learn more about it and want to um, help manifest the rainbow bridge physically in their own communities, in, in, in their own areas. And so it's uh, it's... Yeah, it's very exciting. And so there's all these different aspects about the Rainbow Bridge that you referred to earlier on in the show. There's one in Berkeley. Yes, there is. Um, Fascinating that you should say that. Um, How did you find out about it? In your book. (laughs) Oh, okay. I was going to say, because the one in Berkeley, there's a really interesting story about the one in Berkeley. Um, Ever since I... uh, found out about the um these these other bridges there was one particular bridge in berkeley that i would drive underneath uh every time i would drive underneath it i I would have this thought that this is a rainbow bridge and it wasn't like it was called a rainbow bridge by anyone else but i just felt like this here is a rainbow bridge and um you know a lot of the rainbow bridges that i referred to earlier are they just look like regular bridges they're not colored in any particular color but some of them actually are made up in the different colors of the rainbow. But this one in Berkeley was fascinating because one day I was driving underneath it again, and I noticed um, some very interesting large structures that had been placed at each end of the bridge. And I and I 
turned around and I drove up to them and uh, went up the road and, and walked up to check out these structures. And on one side of the bridge, there was a big structure that, um, like a sculpture, that had pictures. Like it was on the, the side of the bridge that was closest to Berkeley, and um, there was this big sculpture of people and culture and universities and libraries. And then I went on to the other side of the Rainbow Bridge on the other side of the road that was closer to the water, and there was all these pets and animals that were part of the sculpture. And so it occurred to me, wow, somebody else knows about the Rainbow Bridge. They've they've put these two sculptures on each side here, and they're clearly talking about the Rainbow Bridge. One side is is uh, you know is the animals, and the other side is uh, the people. So anyway, I've just been really that's a very special. That's a very special Rainbow Bridge for me for uh, a, a bunch of different reasons, not the least of which um, uh, back in 2009, one of my um, beautiful pets passed away, actually, and he transitioned um, over the Rainbow Bridge uh, uh, in Berkeley. And so, so anyway, I had some uh, interesting charge around this whole bridge, uh, the Rainbow Bridge in Berkeley. Go ahead. Well, no, it's an, on another subject, but I <laughs> go ahead, Paula, if you want to. I was just going to make a comment. It was interesting that we were talking about healing pets just before you came on, mm. and now we're talking about pets again. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very you know, cool. The, you, were, you were talking about um, death, and with the belief system of the Rainbow Bridge, that makes facing death so much I would say gives you freedom from um, this illusion that death is uh, permanent. So your Rainbow Bridge actually brings it so it's that we know that we are still connected after uh, we pass on. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you. I believe the same thing. I think it's a very helpful tool for people um, for for people to you know, to help people with the transition uh with the death of anyone in their lives whether it's a pet or a person um it helps to recognize that we're actually connected with them all the time uh and uh to your point i think it also helps uh with our own lives is that when you know it's when we come to terms with our own death and the fact that every single one of us is going to die and we have no idea when we're going to die we think it's going to be a long time from now um um, but it could be today, it could be tomorrow, we just have no idea. When we really come to terms with our own death, and particularly with the, with the understanding that death is simply the physical death, and the, the, the spirit, the soul, or however you want to say it, there's a part of us that, that never dies, that never was born, that never dies, that's always there, that's completely eternal, and that we are living in a complete illusion um in in a mirage in in a dream and and that um what what is truly real is that we're completely eternal beings uh that are infinite in nature and actually that the um that the reality that we live in is also completely infinite in nature now we're not experiencing infinity right now on planet earth which is one of the reasons why it's so important this rainbow bridge the rainbow bridge to peace because it can help bring us there. It can help bring humanity to this world of infinite abundance and peace and harmony. Um, 
by using these universal principles. So I'm 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 really excited about it and uh, feel that it's a tremendous blessing for the world and um, I'm doing everything I can to help get it out there in the world and appreciate being able to speak with you about it. I, I would like. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Well, again, I'm going to go back uh, to um, being that we're we're presently in the enfoldment of right now with going back to working with religions and that kind of thing. I'd like to go back and ask you, being that your father and mother were different in religious backgrounds, Muslim. Uh, your mother and father was Jewish and, Christ- and Christian. I, it, within your household, you, how was this worked out? I mean, for you to come up and bring this forward in your life and walk with it, how was this worked on within your household that that one could have peace with it and um was this was this already worked out by the time you grew up and you were in your teens, or was it something you got to see and experience? Well, I think that um, first first of all, um, it, it it might sound like it was a, a really tough decision um, in our family about what to tra- tradition to follow or whatever, but it, it really wasn't. Uh, it turns out that my father um, came from a Jewish background, and he kind of. Uh, was interested in Christianity um, more and more throughout his life, and my mother was, uh, you know, very very deeply spiritual person who um, didn't feel, you know, the need to pray five times a day towards Mecca, for example. She she was spiritual in her own way and um, and, and uh, made peace with herself and with the Creator in you know in her own different approach. So she didn't feel like you know, it was important for the family to follow one tradition or another. So it was, a, from what I understand, it was a fairly simple decision for for us to be raised as Christians. Um, and <clears throat> so, uh, but it was really over over a period of time when I started to really think about, uh, particularly when I started hearing, you know, for example, um, uh, some notions like if you don't believe in Jesus, you know, you're going to go to hell, uh, or you know, Allah is is the only God, and that's all there is. And, and you know, like the, these kind of notions that are completely mutually exclusive, that's when it started getting a little bit complicated and a little bit, uh, um, you know, interesting. And that was when I really started pondering all this in great detail. And so um, it was really as a result of doing a lot of sitting and meditating. And that's the other uh, the other thing I should mention is that one of the great – have coming from this background – uh, was a tremendous blessing. You know, it's something that I can look back on and say that was one of the greatest gifts I could ever have been given to be growing up in a multicultural, multi-religious family. Um, because if 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 I wasn't, I certainly wouldn't have been able to write this book. Uh, number one, but number two, it also allowed me to see a greater, you know, uh, truth that was that was in operation here in the world. But the other one of the other major incredible gifts that I was given was. Um, I mentioned earlier that my father was very involved in transcendental meditation, and so much so that he brought me and my two sisters um, to learn how to do transcendental meditation. And when I, at the time, I was 12 years old, 
So I really enjoyed that, and I've been meditating ever since then, ever since I was 12. So I've spent a, a lot of time, many, many years now, uh, doing a lots of meditation, uh, a lot of transcendental meditation, a lot of other different kinds of meditation. And, um, you know, it's through that meditation uh, practice that I've been able to not only be at peace, a greater peace within myself and, and with the world, but also to be able to... Um, understand and and have lots of really amazing information coming into my awareness and consciousness. Plus, it it was there to help you with all the challenges that you faced. Absolutely, absolutely. So, would you recommend um, our listeners who do not meditate that this would be a good tool to um, help them through challenges and help them through daily life? I think meditation is uh, extremely powerful and very important. Uh, if you're one of the few people in the world that doesn't have any challenges and life is a breeze and uh, everything just uh, you know comes to you on a silver platter, um, that's awesome and and really beautiful. Um, if and, and you may not feel the need to do anything um, because you may already be in a, a state of you know feeling like you're totally at peace. If, however, you're not, like the vast majority of people in the world, um, having some type of meditation practice can be very, very helpful to uh, bring you closer to your true nature, uh, to, to, to find that peace and joy and, and harmony uh, and happiness and you know bliss within yourself. Um, it can be very, very important. And I should also point out meditation means different things to different people. I, I mentioned a few minutes ago that um, I do various types of meditation. One kind is transcendental meditation, and then there's various mantras, mantra-type meditation. There's breath meditation, um, uh, heartbeat meditation. There's visualization-type meditations, many, many different types. And um, and so it's not something that is, a, is one specific technique for everyone. Uh, there's a lot of different kinds of um, a lot of different kind of concepts and meditative practices that people can use and 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 um I, I should also mention that uh the book does talk about and gives people a number of different um types of mostly visualization meditations that they can that they can practice and i think that they're very powerful um and certainly you know something that i recommend and there's also a world peace meditation as well so, yes, in summary, I think it's very important. Thank you so much. Sure. Well, you also mentioned in your book that the more that we are open and the more we experience yes. uh, totality. Could you um, say a little bit more about that? Sure. So, um, you know, I think it was Wayne Dyer that wrote a book called uh, the title was um, was I'll I'll believe or I'll see it when I believe it, and that's a really important. Just the title says a lot right there. Many of us go throughout life saying things like, "Oh, I'll believe that when I see it." You know, you have to see something before you believe it, right? You, see, you know, and, and people just think that. Um, they, they have to see something in order for them to experience it in, in the world. And I think it actually can also work in completely the opposite direction. If you believe or if you, if you leave open the possibility that life is uh, 
completely infinite and that it's that it's something much more than we think it is and um that that life uh in this 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 universal notion that life is a dream or life is an illusion or life is a mirage if you at least open your mind to to believe that that might be possible you don't even have to say it is possible but that that it might be possible the moment that you open your mind to that um now there's a crack in the door and uh there's a crack in the door of of the possibilities that be, that can be delivered to you so um if you go around thinking um things that are, you know that life is a very concrete specific thing and you know like the universe is not a very friendly place or whatever then that's t- it's what you're going to see in your life but um we tend to um you know l- life and everything in it is um is greatly affected by how we believe it'll turn out. So the power of our minds is very important. So if we use the power of our mind to to recognize and and at least op- leave open the possibility that there is more to life than we think about or more uh to life than we know about, it will greatly increase the probability that will happen. And so yes, that was something that I that I refer to in the Rainbow Bridge because I've seen that in my own life and I've seen it in the in the lives of countless other people. So the whole idea of just leaving open the possibility that there can be much more to life than we see and then what's going on will have a great impact on and actually seeing that in your life. Is that why you you have the infinity sign after each chapter? Yes, exactly. Uh <laughs> at the at the end of each chapter there's this uh infinity sign and it's you know it's it's really to separate the chapters but it's also there to remind us of our infinite true nature so we have a reminder after each page i mean each chapter (laughs) um so what you're saying is we are what we think Mm -hmm. yes um there to the extent that we um that we think something is going to happen you know in this in science there's this phenomenon phenomenon called the observer effect and that basically says that if if the scientist or person is expecting to see a certain result that expectation will increase the probability that they're going to see that expectation actually manifest and um you know the the example that i use in in the rainbow bridge is uh if scientists are uh, expecting to see light appearing as a wave, they use instruments that measure waves. And so what do they see? They see waves. But if, if they use instruments that measure light and uh, measure particles, and then they look for light and expecting to see a particle, that's what they see. And so that's a that's a pretty commonly used example of, 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 of the observer effect. Um, but it's it's very powerful, very potent um concept that's totally relevant for our times because in the time that we live in uh we can look around and we can say this is crazy we have the global economic financial crisis we have the uh environmental crisis the climate crisis we have um you know the the peak oil problem and we have you we could just go on and on and on saying all of these major global um uh, crises that are all happening simultaneously it can be very easy to be pessimistic about things very easy to become depressed and think you know what's going to happen and very easy to be filled with fear um and so if we're coming from a place of fear and what we're telling ourselves is that we could, we don't have control or 
it's the end of the world, it's going to be awful, there's catastrophe, blah, blah, blah. If we tell that, our, if, we, if we think that that's what's going to happen and that's the conversation that we're having inside our heads, that is actually increasing the probability that this, that kind of thing will happen. And so what's really important is, um, is in the midst of all these major crises and challenges that we're, that we're faced with, to to go within, to take some deep breaths, to to meditate, and to not be driven by fear, but by be driven by the vision that we have for our future. And I'm uh, talking about the need for humanity to collectively envision a positive, peaceful future. And that even if we have doubts about that happening, even if we have fear about that happening, even if we have fear about all sorts of other things happening, if we just turn our eyes and our minds away from what we're afraid of and turn them towards what we want and use the power of our minds and the power of our imagination and the power of our intention to focus on what we want, then we will create what we want. So, yes, the whole notion of using the power of our minds is, is very important and uh, something that we talk about all throughout the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, it's very important, and it's something that's um, it's a principle that's, that's also found within all the, the world's major traditions. You know, a few years back, I ended up uh, reading a book, <clears throat> and I enjoyed it very much. <clears throat> Excuse me. And throughout uh, the book... I would have additional questions on my mind, and I thought, boy, I would just love to have this question answered. And then all of a sudden I'd get an imprint and to go and stand up before my library of books. And some of the books I hadn't even read in my library, but I was directed to a particular book, was mm-hmm. given a particular page and a paragraph. And within that paragraph I would find my answer, which really, when it's happened at the very beginning, it really shocked me that I'm thinking, oh, my God, thank you very much. I mean, it was like my question was answered, and, you know, and this happened several times. So whatever happened, I was able to find my my question so I could read it. It was, I may have been skeptical about my question or whatever the aspect was, but my but my question was answered. And I thought, you know, that was really amazing because some of the books I had not even written and were still directed to a particular page and paragraph within a particular book. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. So for this, yeah, I mean, you know, so in kind of listening to what you're saying, I'm thinking, my gosh, you know, again, if we do have our minds open, for peace in the world, we can be directed to areas that will support us and to help humanity also maybe find a new vision for our our global community. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's contagious. <laughs> I mean, if, if you feel peaceful internally, the people around you will maybe catch the piece. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think you're absolutely right. You know, um, sometimes when we think about world peace, we think, oh, well, what do we have to do? There's all these things that we need to make happen around the world, and that's true. Uh, but what's really important is that the world around us is a physical manifestation of our collective mind. So, so 
what's really important is that we each one of us go inside to find our own peace, our own harmony within ourselves. And if we're not finding peace and harmony within ourselves, to take it upon ourselves as kind of a homework assignment to work on ourselves. Because um, we can see that if if we ourselves are, are at peace and harmony within ourselves, um, we... You know, you just take an example. If if, if you're having a bad day, uh, you know, you can be snippy with people at work or in your family or whatever. And, and in a tiny little way, you know, you're 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 not really making those people's lives better because you're kind of spreading your own internal conflict. Uh, on the opposite side of that bridge is that if you uh, are peaceful and harmonious within yourself and happy and joyful then throughout your day you're spreading that joy and, and happiness and peace. People feel it. And um, and so if you spread that happiness to one person at work, uh, that person goes home to their family and they can spread it. And so even if it's just a small, tiny thing, it's a very definite way of making the world a better place. So going within, helping, uh, helping you know, like approach our, our own issues and our own internal conflicts and struggles, you know, the challenges between our head and our heart, for example, the Rainbow Bridge can really help um, help people find that peace within. And then from there, so, so world peace begins within. World peace starts with, a, with the inner peace and joy with every single one of us. And then we can then take that joy and peace and spread it out into the world around us. And people can use the Rainbow Bridge book to if they're having a challenge or or a rough day, just uh, open to a page and see what it says. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yes, and and um, I I think you're absolutely right about that. And people have told me over the years that's exactly what they do with it. Is um, sometimes they haven't read it for you know several days or a couple of weeks, and then something happens, and then they reach for it and then provide some some type of inspiration or guidance for them. So. Uh, I'm very uh, happy that the Rainbow Bridge, you know, information and, and 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 wisdom that came through me and then into the pages of the book is is finding a wider and wider audience. And you have a lot of quotes from other people in your book, which are very helpful, also. Thank you. And I just turned to a page right now, <laughs> just to see what it says. <laughs> And what came up was, how does one become a butterfly? You must want to fly so much that you are willing to give up being a caterpillar. That's from mm. Hope for the Flowers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's pretty apropos for uh, the people out there listening. Yeah, sometimes you have to give up the old to be able to have the new. That's very true. And in these challenging times, that's exactly what's happening with our economics and everything else. We have to give up the old to be able to get the new. Mm-hmm. That's right. So evolving, I mean, evolution, there's chaos in evolution before it finally the dust finally settles to the next level. Mm-hmm. And do you believe that's what's happening to us now, is chaos? I think that's exactly what's happening. And, in fact, using the metaphor of a caterpillar transforming into a butterfly, it's a perfect metaphor because when a caterpillar goes into its cocoon, um, it actually slowly disintegrates and becomes like this soupy mush. And, And at some point, it's actually not a caterpillar anymore. 
and yet it's also not a butterfly either. It, there's a period of time where it's uh, not either one, and uh, it's it's very formless, but then there's these now um, well-written-about imaginal cells within the creature um, that are to form the basis of the butterfly. And so, you know, if, you, if we look at the world transforming from one uh, era uh, to another era, uh, from, from from a dark period of time into a, a period of great peace and abundance, um, there is this period of time where there's some chaos and some disintegration going on. Um, and so, again, you know, the whole idea of the Rainbow Bridge is to help create this bridge so that we can minimize the chaos and that we can provide as much guidance and help and assistance and inspiration along the way for individuals as well as collectively for the whole world. Um, through these universal principles in the Rainbow Bridge that, as I mentioned before, transcend and honor and include all religions, all wisdom traditions, cultures, races, and people from all over the world. So it's a very, obviously I, you know, I might be a little biased, but I do believe it's a very important book and body of knowledge and vehicle in consciousness for the times in which we live. Well, what a beautiful way to end our program is what you just said. We want everybody out there to know we've been talking to Brent Hunter, and you can, um, if you are interested in what we're talking about, be sure to go out and get the Rainbow Bridge, and you can get that on Amazon and in any uh, any other bookstore, I imagine. So it is a very helpful tool to help us through all this chaos. And his website is BrentHunter.tv. And, um, you know, actually, thank you so much for your kind words. And, and uh, I have a number of websites, but for the, the Rainbow Bridge, the best website is actually therainbowbridge.org. You can get there through brenthunter.tv, but it, the more direct way is, is to go to uh, therainbowbridge.org. Well, Brent, thank you so much for being with us today and uh, bringing us into more more insights. So thank you. Thank you, Taz and Paul. It's been a great pleasure speaking with you, and I look forward to the opportunity of doing so again in the future, uh, should you ever want to explore more. Yes, we will. Very good. So have, have a great, beautiful day. Thank you so Thank much. You, you too. Uh-huh. Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.